Welcome everyone to the Energy One Podcast, the show that takes you inside the dynamic world of energy. Join us as you explore the latest trends, technologies, and innovations shaping the industry today. We're here to uncover the stories that drive progress and sustainability in this critical field. I'm your host, Marion Suzuki, and this is the Energy One Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Ladybug Energy. Power your choices with Ladybug Energy. Explore Texas energy plants hassle-free. Compare, switch, and save. Your preferred plan is just a click away. Visit ladybugenergy.com and take charge today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Energy One podcast. Today, we spoke with Dr. Mark Daniel Farb, CEO and visionary behind flower turbines. We all know traditional wind turbines, but what Dr. Farb and his team are doing here is entirely different. These are compact and very efficient turbines that you can use at home. And in this episode, we're going to unpack just what makes them stand out. We'll talk about their unique bouquet effect, the challenges of making wind energy a household staple alongside solar, and the growing role of residential wind turbines in our future homes. So stick around, and without further ado, let's jump right in. Dr. Farber, thank you for joining us today. How's it going? Just fine. I'm glad to be with you. All right. Awesome. So, Dr. Farb, today you bring to our show such a rich academic career and background. Can you share with us how it all started and how did the flower turbine come to be? Oh boy, that's a long story. Well, first of all, I've always been an interdisciplinary person and I've always cared about the environment. And in fact, I grew up in an environment in which my father was one of the original forces behind the conservation movement in the United States. He was a very popular science writer. And my mother was also a museum director. So I always had love of the beauty of the outdoors from both a scientific and an artistic perspective. That's a little bit of the background. And I wanted to do something significant for the environment, for renewable energy. I feel it's something very important in addition to its profit potential. And I like the idea of being able to make distributed power that could be used on site and to overcome the existing obstacles to it. Nobody had solved some of the technology problems that are holding it back. And at the same time that I wanted to solve these science problems, I wanted to make beautiful turbines, uh, experimented with different ways of making flowers or flower-inspired designs to integrate with the aerodynamic science. And I believe we succeeded, and I and my engineering team came up with the tulip design, which has both beauty and sophisticated science behind it. Perfect. We have our background set. Now let's dive right into today's topic. What exactly are the flower turbines that you build? What features does it have? So the flower turbines, in addition to being beautiful, they are more efficient, and that's because of certain innovations in the air spaces, the blade shape, et cetera, et cetera. We have many other innovations, but these are the ones we're talking about right now. So that's one step in the right direction. I believe that our biggest step in terms of revolutionizing the industry is because these turbines, when they're placed close together in the right way, they make each other perform better. I'm sure you've seen the big wind turbines, they are placed hundreds of feet from each other because they interfere with each other aerodynamically when they come closer. Ours actually make each other perform better. 
And so far, we've tested up to five turbines together on the back of a truck so we could control the speed. And we found that with as few as four turbines placed correctly, right distance, right orientation to the wind, etc., we basically double the power output. That is, I believe, a potential revolution in clean energy. And it means that the bigger the project, the more that a customer buys, the better his return on investment is going to be. So in addition to that, they are noiseless. Birds see them, so birds avoid them. They start at lower speeds than other turbines. Our engineering is such that even though they're light and they start at low speeds, we've tested them on top of a truck at up to 120 miles per hour. So they're very durable and start at very low speeds at the same time, which is an accomplishment, I believe. So we've really made some progress in terms of making turbines that can go just about anywhere and also be used in tight spaces to be more efficient in tight spaces than what exists currently. They're essentially the polar opposite of the usual gigantic wind turbines that we are so accustomed to, right? Plus, they're so easy to use as well. We can use them in small environments and urban environments, smaller scales. Exactly. Now, we can't really compete against the cost effectiveness of those huge turbines, but the thing is that by the time that electricity gets to you as a consumer, it's much more expensive. So we provide on-site power that can be, in many cases, less expensive than the grid power. And it's also where you need it. Reliability and resiliency are important issues nowadays. There are so many cases where the grid has gone down in the United States and other places, but to a large extent, the United States from storms, from grid problems, etc. And we have different products that are especially suited to enable the small guy or even the small business, as well as the big business, to help protect themselves from this kind of thing happening. Yeah, Texas still remembers very well the winter power losses of 2021. I think self-sustainability becomes a really important topic as we start seeing more and more severe weather conditions become commonplace. So to bring a bit of context to our listeners, here in Texas, we're seeing more and more people adopt solar energy, but wind turbines on small scales are still quite uncommon. Can wind turbines replace solar panels or is it better to combine both technologies? So it all depends on where your resource is. I believe that it's good to combine both because they overlap at different times of the day, different times of the year. And it's also part of what, what I mentioned, resiliency. Resiliency means your ability to keep producing power in many different circumstances. So, for example, you mentioned you're in Texas. Where in Texas are you? That would be Dallas. So you are not far from our factory, which is in Lubbock, Texas. And we heard that in the recent hailstorm, most of the solar panels got cracked from the hail, but our turbines did just fine. So that's an example of when wind can do better than solar. Now, if you're near the equator and you don't have much wind, solar is going to do better. I think in most places around the world, a combination is going to be best. In a place like West Texas, maybe 
you would just go with wind or, and a little bit of solar. In other places, you would go with a lot of solar and maybe a little bit of wind. But they ideally supplement each other, and the combination of them together means you're less dependent on storage, like batteries. So if you go off-grid, if you only have solar, you need a lot of batteries, and batteries are expensive, in order to make sure that you can carry through a couple of days of no sun. Whereas if you have both sun and wind combined with maybe a less expensive battery, you have more resilience. You can handle more circumstances. So I think it's good to combine them. Now, solar has gone down tremendously in price, and it's very hard to compete with that because it's mass-produced. But when you involve our cluster effect, if you place enough of our turbines together, we've done calculations that show that the wind, in that case, can actually be a little bit better than solar, depending upon the wind speed, what size of our turbine you get, etc. And the big kicker is that we produce much more energy per square foot. And that can be very important, both in terms of the profit when you have a limited area, and also your ability to provide as much energy as you can within a limited area. Solar is very horizontal. Wind is more vertical. So we can compete with solar if we need to, but I think the most important thing is not to compete, but to actually work together. That makes perfect sense. Still on the same subject, why haven't these small-scale wind turbines been widely adopted yet? What barriers do you think are keeping people from using this technology? Well, I think, first of all, small wind has had a bad rap in general because it hasn't solved the problems that we've solved. So people have a lingering opinion of it that's not based on our current facts, our current technology. So that's why we have to explain to the market that what we're doing is different. And I would say that in the last year or two, We've actually taken off a lot more in Europe, outside of the United States. It's been a faster adoption of what we have to offer. And I would say simply we'll change with time. I'm very optimistic. I know that we offer a good product and a good value. I think that the cost is going to be higher than solar unless you have a cluster. And that's why I believe our cluster is we like to call it a bouquet, by the way, because we combine flowers into a bouquet. Our bouquet effect is going to be the real game changer in terms of the small wind industry. And one of our innovations that's on the way is that we're going to apply electronics to it. This year, we're filing around 10 patents in wind turbine electronics, and we have some advances that are going to enable electronic control of the cluster effect that will bring down the cost and increase the efficiency of these turbines, particularly when they are clustered. So we've got a lot of exciting things going on. We're still in development. I'll say one other thing that's held us back is that it's been a very bad two years with COVID and the logistics problems. That's really held up our deployment just because things take longer to be available. So I think we're over that now, and we're actually actively engaged in sales right now. That's good to hear. Speaking of development, a lot of careful study and modeling went into developing these turbines. Is there more room for improvement? Maybe a new model that is even more efficient? 
Well, there's always more room for improvement, I believe, but these are very efficient. We have a new model coming out that's meant to be more cost-effective. It has aluminum blades and it's modular. You can easily stack one row of aluminum blades on top of another. Each one is three feet high and we can go up to six of them. So it's 18 foot high blades. So I believe that will be a little bit more efficient because the aluminum is a little bit lighter weight and a little bit more cost-effective, is easy to add, and doesn't cost that much more. So that is going to partially answer your question, but I think that what we have already is really very efficient. I think our concentration right now has to be on getting the cluster electronics ready so we can improve the cluster effect even more than it is now. Still on the subject of improvements, Dr. Harp, do you believe that homes of the future will use both wind and solar energy, or maybe even be self-sustaining and completely off the grid? Yes, to both. Why is that? So I think that wind and solar are the two easiest renewable energies for homes or small businesses to use, and they do have the potential of bringing customers completely off the grid. And I believe that with so many problems with grids and also the inflation that's going on, is that by owning your own energy, you take control of your own life. You don't have to be dependent on a centralized agency to provide you with power. And if it goes down, whether from a storm or from hackers, whatever the cause, you are protected because you have your own local installation. Now, of course, if a tornado comes by, nothing's going to help. You won't have a house. You won't have energy either. But short of that, that way you can protect yourself and you can protect yourself in terms of cost as well. The inflation in general and in terms of energy is very high. If you get a system that's going to last you for 20 years, you've got 20 years in which at least your energy bill is immune to inflation. And I will say that there's another issue here also. The world is converting to electric vehicles. If the United States were to convert to electric vehicles immediately, the grid would collapse. There isn't enough electricity to handle it. So it's a good idea while the grid is increasing in size and while the electric car market is growing, to protect yourself against these kinds of blackouts by owning your own energy. Now, obviously, city dwellers can't do it, but there are tons of suburban and rural dwellers and even city dwellers in many areas of the United States. The Midwest is very windy areas. The coasts, that's thousands of coastline miles on both the east and west coasts. There are certain mountain areas and desert areas as well where you get good winds. So this can definitely help people go off-grid in many places around the country. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the grid would collapse if we all switched to electric vehicles at once. We actually mentioned that in our first episode as well. We are almost wrapping up our episode for today. Just one last thing before we jump into some personal questions. We love talking about new technologies on our show. It is my understanding that the flower turbines is one of several technologies that your company has developed, right? 
Dr. Farb, could you tell us more about these other technologies that your company was responsible for? So Flower Turbines has around 30 patents, and those involve aerodynamics, electronics, manufacturing, installation, lots of things. Now, I've developed personally some other technologies, making different kinds of energy more efficient, that maybe in the future we will also bring into our small wind company, Flower Turbines. So one is a way of making the large wind turbines perform 30, 40% better. Another is underwater power, whether it's for rivers or for tides. And we've actually tested and proven it in the Connecticut River. And also I've developed some wave technologies and also some hydroelectric technologies. One of those is for hydroelectric within piping systems. Each thing that I've been working on is a game changer. I would say that we've just advanced faster with the small wind, I think because people relate to it better than something that's a little bit more technical and a little bit harder to envision. So definitely I have other things. I really want to be one of the people that's playing a major role in the energy transition and really helping the world change its course from burning fossil fuels to leaving fossil fuels for use as plastics, as medicines, and other useful things we need them for, and not for burning stuff. Very nice. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Shall we move on to our closing questions? I'm ready. All right. Do you think it's become any easier to run a renewable energy business today? And what advice would you give to someone looking to create their own startup in the sector? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say this is an easy environment. You know, on the one hand, there's a lot of interest in renewable energy, which is great, and that helps us. On the other hand, the inflation and the supply chain problems have made it harder for us to produce things and have made it more expensive for us to produce things and for our suppliers as well. So that is a problem. And also when there are changes in the financial markets, it's harder for our customers to get funding if they want to finance a project. There are many ways in which we are affected by what goes on in the rest of the world. So I think having something special is an important part, but it's never going to be easy. No startup is ever easy. And my advice is be prepared to work very hard and you have to be dedicated to what you're doing. And um, I think a lot of our investors appreciate what we're doing. We have a lot of investors. And in fact, we're in the middle of a raise right now. And I sometimes make decisions that may not appeal to everybody. I'm looking to make a long-term multi-billion dollar company. And sometimes that means putting more effort into patents and research and development at a time that some people would like to see us concentrate more on putting the same money into sales. You can't please everybody. We want to have sales and we want to have patents. But I think that when you have, like we do, around 30 patents already, we're providing an incredible protection for somebody's investment that is very hard to find 
in other startups. There may be just a handful of startups around the world that have as many patents as we do. And we protect the aerodynamics, the electronics, the manufacturing, all these different areas. So that creates a long-term value. I would also say that one of the things that I'm positioning us for as part of those patents in providing a long-term value, every startup needs to think about how it's going to exit. My ideal is an IPO in a couple of years, and we need to differentiate ourselves. We need to show we have something that nobody can copy. And in addition to that, another way of exiting is to form a partnership or be bought out by a large company. And I believe that we are the missing link in distributed energy. I don't believe anybody comes close to us in small wind energy. And solar is already developed, batteries already developed. I think that we are the company that can make that connection and make possible a complete and excellent offering that combines solar, wind, and storage. Some solid piece of advice, be able to have something special for your startup, be able to protect it, also have a plan laid out in front of you. I think that's a good note to end on. If our listeners have a burning question they would like to ask, how can they best reach out to you? So I think it'd be best they reach out to the company, not to me personally, I'm already busy enough, but they can go to our website, which is flowerturbines.com, and they, uh, the best general email to contact us is support.us at flowerturbines.com. We also have a very active subsidiary in the EU. So if you are located in the EU, you can go directly to support.eu at flowerturbines.com. And they can go to our shop. Our general website shows a shop where you, some of the things you can buy online. The rest of our products have to be bought through proposal. Then if you want to invest, you can always contact us for larger amounts, but we have a ongoing investment. We have permission from the SEC to raise up to $12 million. We've already raised $2.5 million of that, and you can find that at startengine.com slash offering slash flower turbines. You can also do a search on that. You can find us very easily, and you can invest on the website there, minimum of $600. So I think it's worth it. We are aiming to become a gigacorn, a billion-dollar company. That's our aim. I can't guarantee anybody will achieve it, but I believe that we have the wherewithal to do it. And Pepperdine University Business School evaluated us as one of the 10 most fundable companies in the United States. That's an external evaluation. And we've won other external awards. We're twice winner of the Sustainability Award in the Netherlands. And we are one of three finalists for the annual Building Construction Awards in Copenhagen in November. So cross your fingers for us. We're going to be at the gala and find out if we and our partners won the first prize for doing that, for providing energy to buildings in an innovative way. So we've got lots of great things going on, and we invite people to be part of it, either as customers or as investors. Beautiful journey that you guys are on. It's wonderful. Once again, Dr. Farb, thank you so much for coming to our show today. 
As always, we will have all the links and contact information in our show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you all next episode. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Energy One Podcast. Stay connected and join the conversation. Reach out to us at info at energyonepodcast.com. Join us next time as we keep exploring this industry and the brilliant minds that make it all possible. 